good, evil, and everyone in between. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. girl ah thanks guys thanks luke we missed you last week but we you had a legitimate reason for being gone so we'll excuse it this one time mo welcome mo walker glad to be here happy birthday happy belated birthday to you mel thanks mo Okay, so last week, since we record this ep- these episodes on Saturday now, last week was Sunday was the Super Bowl. There were some really cool ads that came out of it, both geek-related and not geek-related. I think my favorite one was the Harrison Ford um, and Alexa ordering dog food, though the NFL one was also fantastic. But we had the Game of Thrones Bud Light commercial. We had a Toy Story 4 teaser. There was a Captain Marvel trailer, and then we got another Captain Marvel trailer this last week. Mel, uh, what was your favorite Super Bowl ad? And what w- if, if it wasn't a geek-related one, what was your favorite geek-related one? Okay, well, my favorite Super Bowl ad, hands down, was the NFL 100 ad because you got to see so many football legends, football greats, and they gave so many winks and nods to old rivalries and past great moments and it was just something great to see especially if you like football and you know me being from texas is kind of in my blood here so i just thought that was fantastic loved it um as my favorite geeky one uh i really liked the game of thrones but like commercial because i kind of wasn't expecting it i thought it was just you know but like doing their thing as they always have great commercials and then all of a sudden you see the mountain show up it crushes the guy's head, and then one of Khaleesi's dragons shows up. I was like, oh, man, this is great. Like, it definitely made me stop and pay attention to what was going on in the commercial because I was like, just in case some Game of Thrones knowledge comes in here, and I don't want to miss it. You know what I mean? So that was um, probably my two favorite commercials. Mo, how about you? Well, one of my, one of my favorite commercials was actually something you did not mention, Luke, and that was the 32nd Avengers in-game yes trailer i mean i'm surprised luke you 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 missed that one but uh i I enjoyed that one i enjoyed the captain marvel the the super bowl captain marvel trailer um again it's gotten me pumped about those two movies coming out um i also enjoyed the game of thrones super bowl trailer but personally i thought i don't know i thought like some of the super bowl commercials were kind of lacking this year i particularly thought that Walmart's ones with all the different cars was just too much. It sort of was like, okay, I love that all these cars are there, but um, it just sort of fell flat for me. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, Mel, when we were talking before the podcast, when you started podcasting with me on Daytime Confidential, <laughs> you were a youngin. It was 11 years ago. Y'all, I was 19. Like... <laughs> Uh, um, (laughs) right and back then toy story 2 might have been out because i think we've had three in the past 11 years or uh Mm -hmm. 
the, the third movie in the past 11 years. Mm-hmm. So how big of a Toy Story fan are you? Okay, so I really do love Toy Story because I was a youngin. I really was a youngin when the very first one came out. So it, Toy Story has kind of grown as I have grown. And, you know, the new Toy Story 4 is going to come out. I thought they were officially going to be done with Toy Story 3 because the toys had found a new home. And it kind of seems like, okay, this is closure. This is okay. And then, boom, I see a trailer for Toy Story 4. And in this incarnation of Toy Story, they have found their way into some kind of amusement park and and shenanigans will ensue to try and keep the whole group together and I really just love the stories that they have and the relationships in Toy Story and I will say in the third one I had a real like almost tear up moment because I thought I thought it was going to be over and I remember being in theater with my friends watching this and we're all looking at each other like isn't this supposed to be a Disney movie like this is this is getting a little too dark right now. What's going on with my emotions? So there is no telling what is going to happen to Toy Story Four. What kind of situations they're going to get into and try not to get themselves torn apart or burned up or anything. But I'm really excited to see it. I definitely will be there and be the old person in the theater with the little kids and not even care. Let's talk a little bit of TV. I don't know how much, uh, like, how, if either of you have really watched Supernatural. I've watched it, but it's one of those ones that it's sort of like comfort food, and I'll let the episodes, like, pile up. And, or in this case, I just, I thought I was caught up, and then I realized that because it airs on Thursday nights, it was being preempted because of some scheduling changes on ABC. And so I'm having to catch up on it. But, Supernatural celebrated its 300th episode. This is the show that will not die. Maybe it is because they kill so many monsters. They have figured out how to last as long as a vampire. Mo, we don't really discuss Supernatural a lot on the show on this show, which is why I wanted to bring it up. Have you followed it or are you just more of a casual viewer or do you not watch it all? I casually watch it. I mean, I think the last episode of Supernatural I watched well, a complete episode. Maybe it was the Scooby-Doo episode. Oh, that was a fun uh, episode. I used to watch it the first four seasons. I watched it fairly re- religiously, but I don't know. For some reason, I just fell out of I just fell out of the habit of it. I mean, I'm glad that it's got 300 episodes. It's been renewed, so you know the Winchester brothers are gonna continue slaying monsters. You know, well into at this point, they might as well. They're gonna be heading to the next decade. I right, mean, right. they're gonna be heading. They're gonna be soon eligible for AARP. I mean, like. Well, the good thing about Supernatural is the fact that this is a show that basically has two primary actors, and the rest of them can show up at will, and so the budget can be kept fairly minimal. Mel, mm-hmm. you are a Walking Dead fan. Mm-hmm. You've stuck with it much longer than I. Yeah, I, for some reason I am caught up and I don't even know why. Like, I, okay, keep going, Luke. But we're losing Michonne. <sighs> okay. So, in all honesty, I kind of felt like she was going to go in that direction because Denai Gurea, if I said that right, I'm sorry. If I didn't, my bad. Anyways, um, she is blowing up right now. Like, she was in Black Panther. She was in Infinity War. She actually made it. Her character made it through Thanos Infinity War. So you know she has to come back for Endgame. Then you know they're doing Black Panther too. Like 
her career is blowing up right now. You know what I mean? So I kind of saw the writing on the wall there. I'm not too surprised about it. But where does this does this lead The Walking Dead? Because if you're caught up like myself, you know that really Michonne is kind of the one now running the running the show and re- begrudgingly running the show. So it's interesting to see where, you know, she leaves. Maggie's already gone. Ricky's gone. So it's like, okay, so what are we going to do here? Like, where do we go from here on that show? And, you know, in all honesty, the show has been going on for a while now. We're in season, what, nine, ten, something like that. So it's, it's kind of coming to a point where you know they're going to have to try and end it it would kind of almost be better if they did at this point. So I am, you know, sad to see her go from The Walking Dead because it's a good way to see her every week. And I think she's a great actress, but you got to go where the money is. So do your thing, they, girl. They are going to keep backing that money truck up. Uh, <laughs> AMC is not going to cancel that show until there is literally a zombie of a show left because yeah. of all the money that they've made off of it. Mo, do you keep up with The Walking Dead? Honestly, I keep up more. I keep up with it through following what's um, what's what's online. I mean, uh, reviews and so forth. I mean, I, honestly, Walking Dead was never something that interested me too much. Not even the comic, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, I I know what's going on, but I'm not sitting there every week. Um, I'll be—I'll be honest. I don't think the show is ending anytime soon. I mean, they've kind of, from what I understand, they strayed away from the source material a tad bit. Um, yeah, yeah. And at this point, I don't see why they just—they don't split the difference. They're giving Rick a series of those movies, those Walking Dead movies. Why can't they do the same for Michonne? That would be a way to keep keep her in looped into the franchise. I'm sure, like AMC. You know they're looking at other. I know that they're looking at other sp- Walking Dead spinoffs. Um, they might as well do the same thing. Give Michonne like a spinoff movie. Um, my thought was I, uh, regarding Maggie. Now I thought because I know the actress um, Lauren Cohen. She has her new ABC show Whiskey Cavalier that's about to start, and I read on it read in an interview that she's supposed to be coming back uh, to The Walking Dead force um i'm not sure if to wrap her storyline up or if she's coming back part-time and just seeing what happens with whiskey cavalier are you all luke or mel are you guys familiar with this know anything about i've seen the trailer okay it's got my felicity alum in it so of course i'm going to like give it a try but i feel like abc does a lot of these how do I put this? So there was Remington Steel. There were various other shows over the years that have been successful where you put two people who don't necessarily like each other when they start out or they're an odd pair and like mismatched. And then they sort of like, well, even Castle to an extent. Um, and I feel like they're, uh, ABC is looking for its next Castle, looking for its next Remington Steel, and we keep getting different attempts at it, and not all of them, or very few of them succeed. So I don't have high hopes for it. So, But I'm going to give it a try. I would not piss on Whiskey Cavalier if it was on fire. <laughs> okay. Okay. And that's how I feel about that show. 
<laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Mel. I do. Well, That's how I, I, feel. I want to know how you really feel about Riverdale because we've got a whole bunch of Riverdale news to discuss. Uh, last week, we touched on the fact that there is a Katie Keene pilot being developed. Um, but before we get to that or more details about that, Chad Michael Murray, this season, we have had like um, the plot line where Betty's mother is going to the farm with the cult leader and Chad Michael Murray, who is also very familiar to the CW and WB fans is going to be portraying Edgar Evernever. Are you looking forward to this Mel? Okay. So I'm on a small sabbatical from Riverdale. Did you have to take a break? Did you have to take a break? I did. I just, I had to just, let it be for a little bit so that way I can let some episodes pile up and then I would just watch a ball because the way I was going, it, it wasn't great. So I'm just saying I'm on a small sabbatical. I will pick it back up at some point. But Chad Michael Murray, mm, y'all don't understand. I used to love that man <laughs> back in my day on One Tree Hill. Oh my goodness. But um, I'm, I'm a little excited to see him older. And in Riverdale, so I, I, I would, uh, I think I'm looking forward to it. Mo, well, here's the thing: like, I, when I heard the news about Chad Michael Murray joining Riverdale as a cult leader, I'm like, I, I had to like Google his age because I'm like, is he old enough to be a cult leader? <laughs> I mean, I'm not. He could be, uh, he could be a young and charismatic cult leader. Because I'm just. I, it doesn't and, quite you know, match up with Betty's mom, though, does it? Correct, and that's well. Well, and it's not that she's there's I'm not that say, much of an age. Y'all trying to tell man. me that Alice Cooper don't look like a cougar? Come on, y'all. Well, no, no, no. I'm not. It's gonna not. Say it's that at not all. about Alice Cooper, and that it's just that the age difference. Like you have, I was going to say Matthew Perry, and that's not who it is. Um, like he old too. Well, I know, but like <laughs> Archie's dad. But that's the thing. Archie's dad is like. Luke. Is well, circa is circa like nine oh two one oh, and and Chad yes. Michael Murray is circa One Tree Hill, and there was a pretty big gap in there, is what I'm saying. So I'm like, to to have Betty's mom taken in by a younger cult leader is interesting. Well, I mean, like, maybe um, he's giving her some good good. Who knows? Well, honey, it'd be great, great at that point. But anyways, <laughs> well, this is a CW show, so you know they have a tendency to cast like twenty-five-year-olds you know, as sixteen-year-olds. Yeah. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, well, I'm saying. Well, I was also going to say they have a tendency to cast like third, late thirties and early forty ca- characters, like the the parents of twenty-something. So I mean, <laughs> so. I, see, I sort of feel like the the farm has been one of the aspects of this show that has. I don't really get it. I realize that Betty's mom needs a storyline, but I haven't been entirely enthused with that aspect. So we shall see. Mel, one of the complaints that we've had about Riverdale in previous seasons is the fact that Josie does not get very much screen time. Um, the CW is developing a pilot for Katie Keene. Uh, we touched on it briefly last week because Dan mentioned that he was excited about it. I did some more digging over the past week, and it looks like they're going to be spinning her off. It's going to be a 20-something Josie. She sets off for um, the big city. She's going to really pursue, pursue her music career, 
um, and try to be the next Diana Ross. And she's going to have all new friends, new relationships. And from the sounds of it, there's not going to be any crossover um, in terms of like with Riverdale present. If we were to see any of those characters, they would be significantly older as well. Are you excited about the fact that we're going to actually be able to see Ashley Murray in her own show? Yes. Give that girl some love because they have been promising us for years saying, oh, we're going to put Josie more in the forefront. We're going to see her character more. We're going to see the actress more. And I'm still waiting. So when I saw the headline that said, oh, she's going to get her own spinoff, I said, oh, my gosh, thank you. Thank you. She deserves it. I think she's a good little actress. She's a fantastic singer. And yes, I'm all for basing a series around an African-American woman. Like, let's do this. I am here for all of it. So, yeah, I definitely think she deserves it. I can't wait to watch it. I want to uh, set all the notifications to come through because I want to know everything about it. Well, hopefully, Go, hopefully the pilot gets picked up. Mo, what did you think? I think it's a good it's a good move. It's a smart move at this point to spend someone out from the mothership show. The interesting aspect is, of course, there's going to be a time jump from what I understand with the mm-hmm. right. Keen show. So it, it, it's going to be interesting going forward in Riverdale. How do they explain her absence? I mean, not that you know, not that she's really been getting a whole lot of screen time now on Riverdale. Just put it in the bathroom like we do in soaps. No one will notice. She's gonna go upstairs, (laughs) (laughs) and then she will never come back down. It'll be fine. And then we will literally. Are there any black characters left? I mean, black teens (laughs) left on the show at that point. (laughs) let's move on from that for a second mo dc universe released a new trailer for its doom patrol series i have not yet signed up for dc universe but i'm getting to the point where there's enough content that they are, have announced or have already released that i feel like okay if i spend this money i'll now be able to have it like i'll get my value out of it what did you think of the trailer? Well, I mean, I'm actually getting the DC Universe. And is it transfer. worth your money? Well, it wasn't until, honestly, you had to really just wait until um, Young Justice ended. Mm-hmm. And so now that they have a back catalog, a little bit of a bench, it is a little bit, um, it's, it's, it's worth it a little bit. Um, they're they're going to be adding some additional comic content, comic book content as well. So, I mean... It, it's it's starting to make some moves in the right direction but getting back to doom patrol um yeah i mean i'm 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 really curious to see how this all shakes out i mean i like the trailer i think it's a little odd that you got cyborg on the on the doom patrol given that there was a titan show that that dc streaming had um and from my understanding Cyborg never appeared. They never even mentioned Cyborg on Titans, <laughs> which is odd. But the Doom Patrol made an appearance on Titans as well. They they used an episode to set up this Doom Patrol oh, show. Oh, did they? Okay. Yes, because Gar Logan, uh, Beast Boy from the Titans, he he was a member of the Doom Patrol um, in in the comics back in the, in the seventies and so forth. So so there is a con- 
connection between Doom Patrol and the Titans makes perfectly sense. It's just when you start dealing into the um, into the business with with Cyborg, it, it's a little weird. Um, I like the fact that they're definitely referencing Doom Patrol stuff from the what they call the Grant Morrison era of the, of the Doom Patrol, which was. Um, late 80s early 90s doom patrol uh with crazy jane and and, and whatnot um i i think this is going to be a fun show i think it's interesting that it, it's dropping it starts uh, the 15th i believe the same day that the umbrella academy starts on, on netflix which to be honest they're similar-esque shows in terms of um, tone and so forth so and see i feel like well, I'm really looking forward to the Umbrella Academy, but I feel like at least from the Doom Patrol trailer, there was maybe a little bit more humor in it. But we shall see. I think that I'm gonna have to break down. <clears throat> I'm gonna have to break down and um, get DC Universe and give the series a try. I waited with um, the CBS All Access until Discovery had aired its full uh, first season before I got it, and then I watched it in a month and canceled it. I am probably going to do the same with season two and I'm really looking forward to season two. So here's hoping that it's as good as the reviews have been because I've heard a lot of positive things about discovery season two. Um, one thing that hasn't been that positive, at least for us on this podcast has been the charms renewal, the charms reboot. Um, the CW, we discussed it last week, did pick it up as one of its shows. And this past week, The Hollywood Reporter went and did a, uh, like a mid-season grade on ratings. And they included Charmed in the honor roll because the, CB, uh, the CW's uh, reboot is their top-rated newcomer in, in the 18 to 49 demographic. It's get pulling in just under 2 million viewers, which is better than Legacies, which is better than um, Roswell, New Mexico. And it's been a solid part of their Sunday lineup, which, listen, I am glad that the CW brought back Sunday um, programming because I missed it. And those were some of my favorite days because back even when the original Charmed was on. So I, I'm happy that they've done that, but it sort of breaks my heart that Charmed is so bad and doing well enough to get a renewal. Well, well, Luke, I don't th- I, see. I don't think it, it's for us. I mean, for I don't necessarily think this new charm is for old fans. I think, you know, it, it's it's for people who fit into that to that. It, it, it's essentially for the tweens. It's, it's essentially for the freeform people. I don't think. And you I mean, and you could. Okay, I will totally give you that as a valid argument. Absolutely, I agree. It's an entire. It's entirely possible that that is the case. However, as someone who watches pretty much every single one of the CW's supernatural, fantasy, or superhero-related shows, I feel like okay, yeah, you're pulling in. You're pulling in people who may be a slightly different de- demographic, but don't you want your show to do as well as say like the vampire diaries did? Why wouldn't you want be wanting to pull in a bit broader of an audience? Why wouldn't you want to be maybe trying to get some of the fans from supernatural or, you know, or even like with Supergirl, I mean, they don't, they don't have a lot in common in terms of shows, 
but Supergirl is definitely a more mature show, even though they do have freeform elements to it, shall we say. I guess my bigger complaints with Charmed was the fact that I found that the characters didn't have chemistry and the writing was not that great. Well, well, see, I mean, for me, okay, I, I see where the, I understand it. To, in my mind, I understand exactly why Supergirl and Charmed were paired together. Oh, yeah, I that think, makes total yeah, I mean, sense. It make, okay, but I also see where Charmed is this sort of hybrid of it's taking the, the sort of fantastical supernatural elements that the, that's the CW's bread and butter, okay? And they've married it with the social consciousness that you've kind, you're kind of getting out of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and that you're uh, getting out of Jane the Virgin. So you're kind of marrying that. And I think it, it, it's clear that there's some sort of gelling of the two because the producers on Charmed are producers who've worked on Jane the Virgin. So you can kind of see where, where they're going. They're trying to cut, cut the middle as well. Uh, because again, a lot of those CW shows, the ones that you mentioned, Supergirl, Legends, all those Berlanti verse shows, you know, they have their template. I mean, the Julie Plex shows that you've you, you've mentioned, your legacies, your Vampire Diaries, and so forth. Again, you know, Julie Plex, Greg Berlanti, you know, they've worked together in the past. They currently work work together on the new, um, I believe. Berlanti's a producer on Roswell, but again, there's been some overlap between the two, and I think that the CW is trying to broaden who they're working with and broaden the types of stories that they're they're doing, and that clearly they see something that's, I, again, I think they're looking at something that they see on Freeform and say, hey, we can do a Freeform-esque show under the, under the CW banner. Well, not for nothing, but unless you're looking at the Fosters... The, the Freeform should not be your benchmark for supernatural and fantasy stuff because I love the Mortal Instrument books. But Shadowhunters, even though I watch it, is not a good show. Like, <laughs> at all. Like, I, only, I literally only watch that series because I love the book so much that I like to still see the characters. But the, their supernatural shows tend not to be very good. So if you are trying to emulate Freeform, you've got other problems. I mean, they're successful at what they do, but when you have other benchmarks on the CW already, you should not be modeling yourself after Freeform. Well, I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, Luke. I, I mean... I get, but when we go back, what about Cloak and Dagger? I mean, Cloak and Dagger is a freeform show. It's a Marvel show. It is probably uh, the best of them, but I'll tell you what. It took almost the entire season for it to actually be interesting. If I were to compare Cloak and Dagger to, say, Runaways on Hulu, I Runaways had me by episode two, maybe three, from because of the fact that they spent so much time on the parents initially. I wasn't sure if I actually liked the kids with with Runaways, which I think has been some, uh, criticism by some people. I actually enjoyed the parents. It was me warming up to the kids more that was the difficult part, at least initially. But by episode three, I was in it. I don't know how many episodes it was into the into because I don't remember the episode count, but like it was three quarters of the way into the season, almost to the closing in on the finale before I was like, oh, this is something I actually enjoy. Otherwise, I was watching it out of duty to a podcast. 
So, so okay, so th- so I think you just made the the argument for why charm works. Again, going back to you don't fit into the demo because you if if you're saying that it you had to warm up the cloak and dagger because of the the, the protagonist or the story or both. Well, I thought that Cloak and Dagger was extremely slow. Okay. And, and okay. so from that point, I felt like nothing was happening for three quarters of the first season. And now, it I do... was, there was very little action. All it was was angst for three quarters of the first season. And there was almost no action. And so if they would have started off with, like, if they would have had given some sort of action hook in the in the pilot that was actually a decent one with the two young kids... And then maybe, and I cannot believe I'm about to say this, use arrow style flashbacks to tell some of the stuff rather than do than do it the way they did. That show just did not pick up at all. Like nothing. I felt like I was watching molasses move. <laughs> and I do. I do. I watched all 10 episodes of um, I believe it was 10 episodes of Cloak and Dagger. And, See, and I was I, thinking and, it was about episode seven. Like, I couldn't remember if there was like 10 or 12, but I feel like it was episode seven before things really started to move. And that was not a problem with Runaways. And listen, Deadly Class moves, Runaways moves. There's no excuse in this day and age for a young adult TV series to be that slow for that many episodes. Well, I mean, and it probably, I think it partially do because you t- the two protagonists were separated and they weren't together most of the time. And once their plots, once their two individual stories started to intertwine a lot more than just simply their powers. It, it does really not take to- seven episodes to do that. Oh, well, I totally I agree. mean, if, if, if Game of Thrones took as long to bring characters together as, fr- as that show did, we would be having 25 seasons of Game of Thrones. And I'm sure HBO would appreciate 25 right, seasons right, of Game of right. Thrones. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about movies. Mel, have you seen Aquaman? Because I loved it. It's not a great movie, but it sure is a fun movie. And my favorite part, cinematically speaking, was the trench scenes. If you haven't seen this, then I might be spoiling it. But now it looks like we're getting a there is a trench spinoff in development. We'll see if it actually comes to theaters, but they're doing it based off of the trench characters, which I thought was the most stunning part, cinematically speaking, of the entire film. Of course, I have seen Aquaman. Why? Oh, my gosh. Yes. So I really did like Aquaman. I know it, it, it could be a little bit wonky, but you know what? I can overlook all of that because Jason Momoa is beautiful and nothing else matters, okay? But no, I really did like the movie, except for Black Manta. He was kind of awkward, but okay. I'm getting on too many spinoffs. Um, to answer your question, I did like the characters of the trench. Like, that was definitely a part of the movie that I was like, oh, wait a minute, what's going on here? Who are these characters? I like this. So... I would absolutely watch a spinoff of the characters of the trench. I want to know more about it. Maybe we get some Aquaman in there too. I could be here for all of it. Well, Mo, what do you think? Well, I mean, I'm curious. I mean, like the trench are rel- it's a relatively new concept in the Aquaman mythos. This is like uh, it's new. F- these started with the new 52 relaunch of uh, the Aquaman comic back in 2011. That's when those characters first introduced were introduced. Um, but ironically, I find it. I one of the reasons in my mind, I think that the trench is 
um, they're looking at developing an Aquaman spinoff featuring the Trench is because of Jeff Johns, who, um, A, he created the Trench. Second, I believe Jeff Johns is a producer on the Aquaman movie. And he he is a big he's a player when it comes to the DC DC entertainment in terms of the movies the TV shows and so forth. Um, he's one of the producers and writers of Titans. So so it's it's not surprising that one of his concepts that he introduced in the Aquaman mythos is being developed. I cannot wait to see it. I am not a horror fan. I was I went and watched uh, What Men Want in theaters last night, and they had a preview for something about. Stephen King, like I've not read most of Stephen King's, uh, I've not read any Stephen King's, but I've watched a couple of his shows like The Dead Zone, and I enjoyed The Dead Zone, but they had a trailer for a Stephen King movie about something that went on in the forest in a pet cemetery, and I was like, no. And wait, 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 wait. Have you never seen the original <laughs> Pet Cemetery? Oh, no, 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 Okay, no, no, so no. let me tell you something. I, Y'all know I'm a horror fan. I like movies, and there are not a lot of horror movies out there that genuinely scare me. Pet Cemetery, the original one, is one of them. Like, I don't see. I don't. I don't even know if it was Pet Cemetery. All I know is there were there was a family who ended up on a farm, and there was mist in yes. some woods, and there was a pets and children with yes. drums so and masks. So there's a Pet and Cemetery, shit. and it whatever basically whatever you bury in the Pet Cemetery comes back. <laughs> and I was like, nope. Nope, nope. Like I was watching that trailer, and I was like, nope, 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 nope. I am not watching this. Yeah, there. I you could not pay me to go into that theater. The original one is is genuinely scary. I can say that. Now this one, I did watch the trailer for it because I was already a little weary. You know, I'm watching with one eye closed because the first one does scare me. But then I watched the trailer and I was like, oh, they did a couple of twists on this one. And I, if I like yet, so we shall see. Well, I'm not planning on watching it, but I will. <laughs> I will. I will look past that for the trench. I w- you would get me in to watch the trench because even if it is a horror movie, if the cinematography is as stunning in it as it was in Aquaman, I would give it a chance just for that. I may regret it afterwards, but I would give it a chance. Um, Mo, I love the original Kingsman. The sequel, not so much. We're now getting a prequel, and it looks like they're starting to finally like firm up who is in the cast. It looks like it's going to be Ralph Fiennes, Stanley Tucci, Reese Ivins, Daniel Bruhl, uh, Matthew Good, Harrison, uh, Harris Dickinson, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Gemma, uh, and forgive me because I'm going to probably pronounce this if I haven't already mispronounced some, Arterton, Tom Hollander, Robert Aramayo, and I know I'm going to mispronounce this because I always do. Dijman Hansu, sorry, and Charlie Dance or Charles Dance. Um, I I'm sort of excited about this because I love the first one so much, and I want to know more of the history. And I feel like if you're giving me a story in which Harry, we're getting like where Harry is a young man. I feel like it could be a ton of fun. What do you think? That cast is impressive. Right? I mean, it is an impressive cast. Um, I do find that it's going to be funny that you have um, Aaron, Aaron Tyler Johnson. And I don't know if you – do you you remember – you all remember watching Kick-Ass? Cause it yes. Was, Kick-Ass okay, so was it, sort of too violent for me. So. What? 
Like it and Kill Bill are two that I have watched, but I don't try to remember. I feel like Kill Bill is on a whole other level of violence than Kick-Ass. Okay, so we are going to pause this podcast for a moment while I expound on what I have difficulty often with horror and other things. I have a really difficult time watching people get stabbed. I can watch people get shot. I can watch people do, but if it, if there is any type of stabbing and slicing, I have a hard time with it. Unless it's Uh like a zombie type thing where you're killing something that I know is fake. And so kill bill was just way too much and kick ass. Well, there was too much slicing for me in that. Let's, let's resume our conversation. Now that we've had this, now that we've had this brief intermission, keep going, Mo. Well, I was going to say, I mean, like, and again, you've got um, Tom, Tom Hollander, who is he's a British actor. I, he did a comedy many years ago called Rev, which I really, really loved. Um, you may have seen him in Bird Box recently. He 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 is somebody to watch. He, um, if, if he's one of those guys, you, you see him. He's very memorable in what, what he does. Um, just. I'm overall. I'm I'm more interested right now in in this impressive lineup. I'm curious about what Matthew, how what Matthew Vaughn is is going to do. Um, but I'm also curious that how if this is going to tie in to any of the the Kingsman comics as well, because I, I feel like the second one really sort of more or less deviated from what we've been getting in the Kingsman comics. And I'm curious if um, they'll go back and do a a Kingsman prequel esque comic um so so we'll see i mean i'm definitely interested in in this in this prequel and i believe there's a third kingsman i think that's demon do this year well we shall see the second one uh, (laughs) you ain't like elton john doing that backflip elton john let's put it this way elton john was the only bright spot of that film in terms of Taron Edgerton is always great, but Elton John was the only bright spot of that film. I have to take a moment because Mel broke my heart before the podcast. In addition to talking about her youth and inexperience. Oh, I wish I was sorry, Luke. She said that she is not really a Harry (laughs) Potter fan. I bet. Because I was asking her about uh, the new Fantastic Beasts. Fantastic Beasts 3, I'll just use that verbiage for it. Because... Dan Fogler, in an interview, said that Fantastic the reason why Fantastic Beast 3 has been delayed is because it's so much bigger than the first two combined. Now, I want to preface this. I love the Harry Potter movies. I've read every single one of the books. I adore them. I did not like Fantastic Beast 1, but because it was J.K. Rowling, I went back for Crimes of Grim. Grim- uh, Grindelwald. Thank you. Grindelwald. I can't even say it. Thank you, Mel. I'll just leave it there. I went for, back for Fantastic Beasts 2. And I loved it. It felt the most like a Harry Potter of either the two movies. I love the scale. I love the scope. I love the mythology that was introduced into it. I love the fact that it was not in America and it didn't feel like a British person who doesn't know much about America trying to write America. So I really appreciated Fantastic Beasts 2. And to hear that 3 is bigger than the first two combined, that makes me extremely happy. And maybe mends my broken heart a little bit from Mel. Okay. 
Mo, are, what do you think of this? Well, I mean, I, I here's the thing. I, I, I enjoyed this the first Fantastic Beast movie, I think, more than the second one because the Same. second because I mean, I feel like Grindelwald. There was like so much going on um, that the characters became subservient to like whatever new magical trick or plot that was going on. I mean, like it, it was like so they had the subplot about um, the one character who was biracial and her. Um, and about her, the 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 Kurt and her brother who had who had um, she uh, she thought she had, she killed she swapped and he'd gotten killed and and we really didn't even delve into that a whole lot. We were more concerned about like Grindelwald uh, cult and you know which is which is which is fine, but you don't introduce a subplot about another character trying to figure out her heritage in the midst of this Grindelwald stuff, unless it's going to tie directly into Grindelwald. It didn't, it. See, I thought it was, I thought that was a continuation of the through line in the Harry Potter movies in which you had the, it, I'm, I'm not going to put racist form, but like there was definitely a classist element to the Harry Potter series with, the muggles and the anti-muggles and the purebloods and the not, you know? So like, yeah. to me, that was just an, an, how that classist system was depicted in this film. Okay. Okay. And I, I just, I just feel like you, you're, you're trying to take on something more than what you're allowing time for. If they allowed it to breathe, if we gotten like another 10 or 15 minutes to let that breathe, that subplot breathe, I probably would have felt better about it. But you know, it, I mean the Grindelwald stuff. The Grindelwald stuff was 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 enough. I just didn't see the need for these additional subplots that that just didn't really, in my opinion, tie back to the to the core story. Um, but getting back to like um, just Fantastic Beast three, I'm like bigger. I mean, are they gonna take this to World War two? Because I mean, it feels like they this it's been building and and. This third one's got to be. They, they've got to go to World War Two, and that, maybe that's why it's it's going to be bigger and more impressive. I would like to see a world war involving, you know, the wizard, the wizarding world taking on the Nazis and so forth. That'll be kind of cool. The Oscar nominations were announced. There were a lot of great movies that were nominated. Black Panther, though, is the first superhero movie to get a Best Picture nomination. Um, Unfortunately, Michael B. Jordan did not get a nomination for his role as Killmonger. But what I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on is do you think it can actually win the Oscar? Now, it did win the SAG Award for Best Ensemble Cast, which is voted on by the actors, which is a large part of the Academy, but it isn't obviously all of them. Mel, what do you think the chances are that Black Panther will actually pull an upset and win Best Picture? I honestly think it probably has about like a 40, 60 chance of getting it. And this is because you have to remember, like you said, like SAG Awards are voted on by the actors. So it's not, it's a little bit less Academy political-ish than the other two. Like I honestly feel like if Black Panther had won the Golden Globe, for Best Picture, it would have more of a chance of winning the Oscar for Best Picture and pulling an upset. I just, 
uh, with the way that the, this academy has gone and all the controversy behind this Oscars, I don't, I don't know if I see it getting best picture. I mean, I definitely think that they honored them by giving them a best picture nom, like just by being on the ballot. I think that's great. But the way that these Oscars go, and there really haven't been a lot of surprises this award season with who's actually winning. So I don't So let me I ask you know. this then. If a movie like Moonlight can pull up, pull off an upset the way it did, and it being as small of a movie as it was, don't you think that there would be a chance that a movie that was so ingrained in our pop culture in 2018, and not only was it ingrained in our pop culture, but it was actually a good movie with standout performances like Michael B. Jordan's, don't you think that there's the possibility that it could do an upset? Like, I mean, yes, I do, but it's been my experience with the Academy that the Academy tends to like to pick pictures that are little well known and don't have a lot of buzz behind them to win. Can we like kind of agree with that? Yeah, because, that's fair. That's fair. You know what I mean? Because they don't like to necessarily pick the big blockbuster or the one, the sneak attack. A movie that became, you know, the blockbuster. They don't really like the. They like Roma. That's what the Academy likes. You know what I mean? A small Netflix, Netflix a film that, that we put blows in up. But that's but that's what they like, though. You know what I mean? Right, right. So you kind of have to think along that lines. Of, you, I don't want to think along the lines of, hey, this movie was a super blockbuster. It was amazing, and you're right. They had great performances, even better cinematography. But the Academy doesn't like to look at that. The Academy is like, oh, what is this film about Netflix? You know what I mean? So that's kind of why I'm more weary about saying, oh, yeah, they definitely have a chance to do it. I'm like, huh, I don't know. Now, granted, would I love to eat my words? Yes, I would. I would love to eat my words on this one. If it wins, I will be shouting at my TV. Yeah. yeah. Mo, what are your thoughts? Do you think it can pull off an upset? I'm with Mel. I mean, I'm I'm looking at the list of nominations now just to refresh myself. And I think for Black Panther, I think just being nominated for Best Picture is 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 a win in and of itself. But I really have a problem, like Mel was saying, with the Academy, okay, who's going to give a Best Picture Oscar for a movie, right, mm-hmm. in which, you know... You got flying cars and, you know, Black Panther stop and ri- runaway rhinos. And I mean, it's fighting rhinos and stuff. And they I, gave it to a fish in human romance. Well, there's a symmetry there. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, they're talking about, I don't know, interspecies. You know, I mean, like, it. <laughs> Jay is probably Bob, interspecies. It, <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't know. Sorry, I just. Sorry. I feel like the I, I don't know I feel like the academy could be a little bit too think a little snooty I think that like Black Panther right, yeah. is not going I, but I feel like Black Panther is going to walk away with something and it may walk away with multiple awards but but look don't the films that tend to win right aren't they nominated for other some of the other major categories like best director best actress or best actor you don't have anybody for black panther in any of those other categories right Mm -hmm. so to me it just feels like that shows you right there the 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 probability 
of Black Panther winning that is small. Okay, well, we shall see. Hopefully, hopefully we're all eating our words, and hopefully it will be the upset of the year. On that note, we would encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. You can find me on Twitter at Luke underscore Kerr. Mel is at Melody Eagles, and Mo is at Dr. Mo 77 Correct. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Bye, y'all. Bye, <laughs>